This is Pixelated Audio, episode 123, and you're listening to Expansion Pack 25. Welcome back to Pixelated Audio, a music podcast focusing on game audio, its history, and the people behind it. We're your regular hosts. I'm Brian, and this is Gene. Hey, everybody. And today we are doing another expansion pack. We're recording this right before the end of 2019, and hopefully it'll be released just in the beginning of the new year. I'm exci- so, yeah. yeah, I'm excited because uh, we haven't done an expansion pack, like a true expansion pack in a while, where we didn't know each other's picks, and uh, we got a lot of fun stuff that uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy. That first track that came in um, definitely is not a testament to all my picks. <laughs> it's a lot more mellow, but a very fun one. It's a banger. Yeah. I, uh, you guys in podcast land can't see me. I just recently cut my hair, but for the duration of the track, it grew back. <laughs> <laughs> you look good, Gene. You yeah. Good. <laughs> my anime hair has uh, wind blowing through it right now. <laughs> so some of you hardcore VGM fans will know this one. This is from The Legend of Xanadu. Uh, the track is called The Gods of the Four Winds, and this was for the PC Engine CD-ROM 2, and also came off for DOS in 1994. And this was developed by Nihon Falcom, published by Hudson Soft for the PC Engine CD. And uh, it was composed by the Falcom sound team JDK. A lot of people in this uh, in this group. Too many names. There's Asushi, Shirakawa, Hirofumi, Matsuoka, Masaru Nakajima, Miyako Ishikawa, Naoki Kaneda, and Takahiro Tsunachima, and uh, many more over the course of time. But during this period, during this game, there was like the those those six. Yeah, um, you can people. always rely on the Falcom sound team for some good stuff. Yeah. Funny thing about this game too is that um, there's 12 CDDA tracks in it. So there's there's actual Red Book audio, and then there's like 90 wavetable tracks. Mm. So there's a lot of music. There's a lot of these over 100 That's a tracks. A lot of yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot. <laughs> and the soundtrack's phenomenal. There's so much good music. I mean, I've been wanting to cover this game for like a very, very long time. But the problem is, there's just so much music. I wouldn't even know how to approach it. Yeah, I don't <laughs> so, think I've really dug into those. Even though I know there's, uh, is it part of the same Legend of Heroes series? It's the uh, Dragon Slayer. Series. Dragon Slayer. Yeah, there's yes. like. I don't know, dozens of games in there. Right, right, right. <laughs> so The Legend of Xanadu is a two-game spinoff series from the Xanadu games. And that that basically, like I said, came out of the Dragon Slayer universe. And the games have um, a, kind of a overarching plot, but then they have a, a recurring cast. So mm-hmm. the game is interesting because if you've ever played like Ease or anything like that, you have this really nice overworld, but then you also have an action RPG element on top of it. And... It's kind of neat in the sense that if, uh, so I guess I should take that back. It's like Ease mm-hmm. gameplay style, yeah, but it has the Zelda Two aspect to it, where oh, it's okay. got an overworld that you you know level up, walk through towns, do stuff, and then in the action sequences, it has a side-scrolling view. That's cool. So hmm. you can kind of like move character around. Characters look a lot more um, like um, 
that larger, they, yeah, <laughs> like more larger, detail. more detail. I wonder um, if there's an English translation for this. I'd love to try it out. I, I really have not dug into the series at all. I'd love to give it a try. I'd be surprised if it wasn't on a fan sub somewhere, like fan translation site, because this uh, was released. Like I said, it was released for DOS and also TurboGrafx CD, and I, it was popular enough that they re-released it for Wii. Hmm. When uh, they did the virtual console thing in yeah. Japan, in Japan only, but um, I, I like I said, I'd be surprised if it was not you know translated somewhere. So, but the game looks really really cool. I wish that um, yeah, it had came out here. I'm surprised it 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 doesn't because it looks like a game that would have just been right up everybody's alley, just like any other JRPG. Like in like true, I mean, yeah. ease, you know, like East Three or something. But like. I mean, it was part of such a long running series. They probably had to pick and choose which ones they brought over, and it was just like, eh, this one won't make the cut. Who knows? Yeah. I, I, I want to go through it myself. Yeah. Actually, I'm very curious now. I mean, I've kind of had it, like, the music on the back burner for a long time, and I, I dabbled in the game, but I'd love to be able to actually go through it and see how it plays out. Uh, you ready to get into our next track? I am. So for my first track, I've got something from Yu Yu Hakusho Bakuto Ankoku Bujutsu Kai for the Famicom, released in 1993, a very late release. Wow. Okay. I thought you were going to play... Uh, Sega Genesis or something first, but no, no, no. This one I've been sort of sitting on. It's such an, uh, it's kind of an unusual track. So you'll you'll hear what I mean when you when you hear it. All right. title theme from Yu Yu Hakusho Bakuto Ankoku Bujutsu Kai for the Famicom. What do you think of that one? It is very strange. I know what you mean. When I first heard that, I thought it was a Euro tune. I'm like, but it's Yu Yu Hakusho. That doesn't make any sense. The rest of the game, pretty conventional Famicom tunes. And this one was like, I don't know what this is, but sticking this one in the memory bank for later. (laughs) That was cool, man. That was cool. Uh, I, at first, I thought you were going to play something from the, the Genesis because that's a rocking soundtrack, but um, it's good. I, I liked it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think the kind of uh, almost ghostliness to it is uh, is pretty cool. Um, beats nice. Doesn't sound like a Famicom track, really, but like. That's why I picked it. Yeah. I was actually. So uh, a couple of months back, I was digging through. I, I had this idea of doing music from the late era. You said 93, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so I was digging around in systems late in their life. And the Famicom's an obvious one because it lasted forever. It was like 83 to 94. And so, it's documented pretty well now. Exactly, like, yeah. yeah. The library is not so huge. It wasn't actually that big of a deal to get through. What I found was there's three kinds of things. It was like really well-polished stuff that was like just really high-quality stuff from your Konamis and whatever. Then you had some like phoned-in stuff. And then you had a couple of weirdo things like this one that were... Clearly, at, somebody almost, was just trying to play at, around at, with the at, system. Afterthought kind yeah, of things. Yeah. yeah. Like, nobody was supervising them. So, like, I'm going to do whatever I want on this. Right. <laughs> there was a, there's a game called The Gorilla Man, which has some some unusual tracks in there too. 
<laughs> did you play this? I did not. I saw some videos of it. It looked kind of like a crummy one-on-one fighter, like worse even than Street Fighter 2010, if you played okay. that one. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds pretty bad. Like the the health bars are actually numeric, so you punch somebody and it drops from like 3,000 to 2,900. Like, it's hmm. not this very like, exciting. Like Final Fantasy stats. <laughs> yeah. HP. Oh, yeah, that's funny. the combos and whatever looked pretty weak, but uh. but you know what? That's I, I gotta give him credit. That's um pretty pretty brave to do a fighting game on a on the, on the Famicom, right? Yeah. Because there wasn't a lot. Like we, I think we did like tournament fighters a long time ago. We talked about it being on the Famicom. There wasn't there's many. like Joy Mech fight and a few other weirdos. Yeah, the there's end of the life. a very, yeah. very strange one. There's just like jousting games, like you know American Gladiator, <laughs> what have you. But like. <laughs> I think like actual like martial arts fighting, it's pretty limited in that in that realm. So cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of stuff was coming out for the other Big Brother systems at the time, so they probably tried to squeeze a few extra dollars. Actually, this is kind of a an interesting thing. This was part of the Datach or Datash. I don't know how you pronounce it. Datach joint ROM system. Apparently, it was, it was just detached. <laughs> No, it's D-A-T-A-C-H. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D-A-T-A-C-H. Yes. Uh, so Bandai released this aftermarket thing, kind of like how like hacks or whatever, plug this into the system and it'll play just fine. Some, <laughs> So they had, I think, seven games for it. Most of them were licensed things, and this was one of them. So these were some of the later games in the system because the system only came out, the Datach thing came out December 29th, 92, which is already the NES is pretty much along. Oh, right, right, gone. right, yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, the composer, I looked this guy up, or this this woman, I don't know who, because they go by Switch-E. No idea who that is, but I did find huh. on the Super Nintendo database, it looks like they worked on Dragon Ball Z Super Budoden 2 and 3, Kido Senshi V Gundam, and Ruin Arm, all for the Super Famicom. I listened to a bit of Ruin Arm. That's kind of an unusual one, too. There's a lot of good tunes there. Hmm. Never heard of the game before. No. But yeah, I might dig into it after this. Yeah. I mean, awesome. Yeah. Switch-E. Switch-E. I don't know. Why does that... I feel like that rings a bell but maybe i'm just i don't know maybe it's late i don't know <laughs> I don't. you it that is not a search friendly term let me tell you oh god no <laughs> especially you know after 2017 anyways uh we're gonna move on i am what's your next track so this next one is it's kind of a strange one this is called uh it's from a game called god of thunder the track is 2-4 I love God of Thunder. You do? Yes. Sweet. I played a ton of it on All right. DOS. Well, I, 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 I like <laughs> it too. All right. So let's take a listen to 2-4 from God of Thunder. one i guess that's stage two dash one it's not really stages in this right it it is it's weird yeah we'll talk about it <laughs> yeah in a from sec. god of thunder and this came out for the ibm pc in 1993 the same year as yu yu hakusho bujitsukai something, something like that Anyways, like that yeah yeah but it was uh developed by adept software and published by software creations the composer was roy davis and the interesting thing about this track is uh, well, about the composer is that I couldn't find anything else he worked on except for this. He might have been a programmer, something like that. That's if I had a, to guess. That's a, that's a very good possibility. This was a shareware game for those of you who don't know. It was in that era where 
actually it was the early days of Epic too, and and Doom and all of that. They would say, "Buy our game, please, please yep. buy our game." So here's the first episode. Play it if you like it. Send us a check to this address. Yeah, I remember uh, this game um, only probably from the shareware version. In fact, I never owned it. And I did not either. I played the shareware bunch version a ton. The first episode or whatever it was, which was really common. Uh, right. I played through that a bunch. I actually don't remember this music, despite having played the game. I don't so remember much. this music at all. Yeah. I don't remember this music at all. I just heard it. and I was like, mm, it's kind of good. It, it's uh, it's a little strange. It's kind of simple, but. Like at the same time, like there's some interesting things going on there that I I like. This stood out to me. I was listening in the car, and yeah. I was just like, mm, okay, like um, the harpsichord sound is kind of cool. Yeah, it's a bit herky jerky, but I yeah, kind of like is. that. It in that like, oh, they tried. Yeah, I, I know, I know exactly. And uh, what's cute about this too is that um, it kind of falls out of sync a little. The time signature is a little bit weird, and but I I don't think it's like intentional. It's it's just like strange. Not. Yeah, it's just strange. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, the game, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it's not made for any specific device, but this is for the OPL2, mostly the ad-lib. And so um, all the music and all the sound effects come through that sound card. So, I mean, you know, I think it was just like, whatever. I think this is the first game that I played where I could tell the game designers legitimately how to had it out for you. Like, Uh, okay. I've played hard games before. But this one, so like, just to give the briefest explanation, it's kind of like top down the way the first Zelda is. But usually you'll have you'll have this overworld where you can move between areas, but there'll be puzzles that are self-contained to one screen. So yes. you need to get across. Uh, you have a block that you can push. You have enemies that fire at you, but they can be blocked by that block. But you need to do these very pixel perfect precision kind of movements. And if you die, you start at the beginning of the checkpoint. It's a little bit like a. Like VVVVV or I want to be the guy now. You'll you'll die and get sent back. It was way before any of that, but it was still as frustrating. A, a little more top down view, but that. But, same but the I, checkpoints, the system. same yeah. the same concept, yeah. Um, so it takes place Norse Norse mythology, Norse yeah. mythology, and uh, you place Thor, the god of thunder, who Im- who is embodied on Earth with your trusty hammer uh, as your weapon. It's up to you to save the people of Midgard from the gods of evil, and. Um, it's it's kind of neat because I I like the single screen aspect to it. It makes it to where you can kind of like look, you could see everything easily and then plot out your your way through rather than, you know, I was thinking like, I don't know why, but I was thinking like Bugs Bunny, Crazy Castle or something like that, where you have to really like get to the other screen to see like where stuff is. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't like pre plan much. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, as you go, you just start, you know, make your way, but this game allows you to kind of like sit there, pause. Okay, I didn't make it last time. I should do this, 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 and there's the end. And you can try to get through it that way. Yeah, it's kind of like you keep pushing through. You'll kind of you'll know if you like this game in about 15 minutes. Oh, oh, yeah. It pretty much shows you all of its tricks right up front, and it only gets harder. So if you're getting frustrated, just turn it off and say, "I had enough of that." <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, so Roy Davis couldn't find anything else worked on other than God of Thunder. Now, he did use an audio driver or converter created by Jason Blachowiak. Don't know the name? Yep. Well, he, he's the designer of the id music format. Oh, okay. So, it, like, all the game, all the music in this game, um, it was using the same driver as command all the Commander King games or some of the Commander King games, Wolfenstein 3D, Spear of Destiny, Duke Nukem 2... Um, several of the Catacomb games. So a that's pretty a popular... lot of big Western shareware games from the time. Actually. Oh yeah, yeah. that id music format was pretty popular. Yeah. at that time. And uh, other than that, though, I, I couldn't find anything else but this guy. So yeah, again, could be just a programmer that worked on this game by chance. Yeah. yeah, it's a really sarcastic game too. Like all of the NPCs will be like, "Why don't you have my problem fixed already?" This is that kind of thing. Very well, early nineties programmer. I'd see, I don't remember any of that. I I remember I, this game really being very. It, it felt like it was taunting me. All the in time. fact, I, in, in fact, I didn't realize they even played it until like the screenshots, and I was like, "Oh, oh, it's that game." Yeah. Oh my God, I played this. This was on like shareware disc forever. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. it's a good time for maybe an hour or so. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and this actually came on the uh, on a CD-ROM. It was it was it was actually distributed the full game on a oh, CD-ROM. Oh, okay. CD-ROM probably um, didn't need it though. It could have fit on a disc. Yeah, the CD-ROM quality <laughs> advantage. That's what it says on the the cover of the. <laughs> that sounds like pure marketing. <laughs> I know. And then it says the CD-ROM is protected by tough box. 
<laughs> yeah, whatever that, whatever that means. So your CD didn't get scratched or something? I don't know. Or, yeah, or that was their copy protection. I don't know. Who knows? Anyways, <laughs> moving on. God of Thunder, uh, what do you got next? All right, so... I was going to play a track from Gabriel Knight to make up for a no. comment that we got, but I didn't. I'm okay. playing a different track from a game about New Orleans. This is from Assassin's Creed 3 Liberation, and the track is called Deliverance. sounds really great in the car by the way <laughs> it's a good track yes that was deliverance from assassin's creed 3 liberation cool yeah yeah that's uh cool. we would listen to a lot of winifred stuff like right around the time we were doing the uh, library of congress yeah that's actually what inspired this track pick uh we, we've talked about it a lot on on this show but the library of congress was a huge milestone for us and really it was a big highlight of 2019 i think and, it was a uh, a big um, highlight of just our lives. The, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, for us, yes. But like, uh, I think it was actually a big um, win for game audio. That was a big hurdle. I mean, not necessarily a hurdle. I think, you know, times are changing now for game audio. It's becoming more uh, recognized, more yeah. taken more seriously. And the fact that, you know, the, the whole event happened at the Library of Congress was um, re- like a really, you know, major milestone. I think. Yeah, and the fact that we were part of it, along with giants like Winifred Phillips, was not only just a huge honor, but it was a real, it was, it was eye-opening to this ex- to this new world that people are getting exposed to. Because not everybody there was coming just because they were BGM fans. No, there was a lot of people we talked to that were just like, oh yeah, I'm just wondering what this is all about. Yeah. And they were, I think, pleasantly surprised by some of the information that they, they learned and, you know, some of the talks and stuff that they uh, they saw at the uh, at the event. Yeah, and, and specifically with Winifred Phillips, I knew she was giving a talk. I didn't really know what to expect, but when I went, I was incredibly inspired to the point where I actually bought Assassin's Creed 3, the remaster, because it came with this game. So I'm going to play it. I know this is actually not one of the more popular games, because funny enough, it actually started out in the Vita in 2012. It was oh, a yeah, yeah. little side game. It's been remastered a few times uh, on PS3, 360, Windows, 2014, and then again this year uh, in 2019. So uh, a PS4, Xbox One, which you know the you know the deal, right? Um, but what I was really happy about was this soundtrack. It threads the needle of being really good in the sense that it fits in like a triple A game, 
but it doesn't sound generic wallpapery orchestral music. That's always something that really bothers me about the really, really big budget games is sometimes it feels like the music is really good. And that's and that's the truth. Yeah, it's it's just not really, memorable sometimes. Exactly. And I think that Assassin's Creed walks that line where it's it's not trying to it it is orchestral and it's not trying to make it doesn't have these flashy melodies that you're going to remember and remember and like, you know, 10 years down the road. But I think what it does and what Winifred Phillips is very, very good at is the the theory and understanding of how to make the music complement the experience. And that right there is like the um, the power of her composition style, I yeah. think. I also think it just has a really powerful emotional feeling on you. Like the first time I heard it, I just felt a little bit of like goosebumps that she just knows how to make the experience get you. It's very exciting in that way, which I really thought was especially for a song that I hadn't heard much of. I've listened to the soundtrack a few times and I really do want to play the game to experience it in context. I'd like to too. I never played it. Yeah. In fact, I, I got to be honest, I only played some of the original Assassin's Creed. I yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat actually. It, you know, it, <laughs> in, the, the, in all fairness though, I think that um, I was having a talk with somebody at might have been in Discord. It was um we were talking about the you know games like that like Assassin's Creed, like, oh my god, like, I haven't played that, or Gears of War, or something like that. And I think it is, like, all these games were kind of coming out at the same time, these big AAA games, and, like, you kind of just picked the one that you were going to go with, and you stuck with it. Like, God of War yeah. is, is a big one. Like, uh, I played some of the first God of War, but I didn't play any others, and people were like, oh my god, that's blasphemy. That's, you know, it's like, yeah. best games. I, I just wasn't. You're totally right. Somewhere in that, that range, it was like, God of War, Devil Gears May of Cry. War, Devil May Cry, what else? You know, there was so many of those you, you franchises yeah, that just yeah. got built up right around that time. Oh yeah, um, what's the one? Nathan Drake, uh, Uncharted. So Uncharted. I, yeah. So I played all the Uncharted <laughs> games. So that was that was something that I I was really into, and that's why I didn't play a lot of the other games. Yeah, it was you, you can only invest so much time. But I want to go through the list of accomplishments here because it's mind-boggling. So Winifred Phillips, award-winning composer with dozens of film, TV, radio, and game credits. Some of her most notable games are Homefront: The Revolution. Little Big Planet 2 and 3, Speed Racer, and the original God of War. She's written music for over 100 NPR and Sirius XM programs, including scoring many classic stories such as 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Beowulf, Gulliver's Travels, Sleepy Hollow, War of the Worlds, many, many others. And this is really awesome. In 2014, she wrote A Composer's Guide to Game Music. It's now one of the foundational textbooks for programs around the world teaching music scoring for games. Right. Like, this is the book you get if you want to get into the games industry and play at this level. Right. So her, her theory in is unmatched. She's just, she knows like what it takes. She doesn't always have like, I, I mean, she, I think she is underappreciated for what she can do. I think she should be in a lot more of the AAA titles that you see coming out these days. But Absolutely. For whatever reason, it just doesn't seem to happen. Uh, she is a fantastic composer and a really great person. Yeah, <laughs> really yeah. Great person. <laughs> we, we should probably post the photo that we have with us. Uh, yeah. You know, on the on the I, blog I think post for this one. I've already posted like oh, okay. in different places, but yeah. Uh, well, just one last thing about this: they actually took the Assassin's Creed score on the road. They had an orchestral series where they played music from all the games, sort of like video games live, mm -hmm. and they featured some of the tracks from this. So. The music is good enough that even though the game itself is not one of the more well-remembered ones, it was there front and center. So sweet, sweet. good on her. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, and we do have to get her on at some point. Like <laughs> I we, would I, love to, but she's super busy. <laughs> I know. We were supposed to, so we were supposed to record an episode with her at the library, and um, we were like, ah, we'll just do it happened, later. We'll yeah. Just, yeah, we'll just do it later, and then eventually, you know, one thing happens. Yeah, yeah. time goes on. Yeah, time goes on. All right, next track. What you got? So this next track is from Magical Drop. You familiar? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've played the series a few of the titles. They're pretty similar. They're, they're all over the place. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of like Puzzle Bopple, stuff yeah, like yeah. that kind of thing. Anyways, this is BGM3. It's from the Game Boy Color released in 2000, so 12 years earlier. From We're going to be your, jumping around from, a little bit here, yeah. Uh, developed by Conspiracy and published by Data East. It was composed by... So the original game was composed by Hiroaki Yoshida, and mm -hmm. this game was... Kind of like some of the themes are there, but it was mostly original stuff by Alistair Brimble. So let's take a listen to BGM3. Mm -hmm. 
That was BGM3 from Magic Drop on the Game Boy Color, released in 2000, composed by Alistair Brimble. That's a really intense track for a puzzle game. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what I was expecting. Yeah. I took, so I, I you know, will put music onto my phone and uh, listen to it like in the car, just, you know, hit random. This is where I discover a lot of music because it's the, you know, it's the time I get to myself that just kind of zone out and not drive <laughs> and <laughs> not focus on the road. Uh, no, um, I, I, I heard it. And so I'll take like just a screenshot. So like I have all these screenshots from uh, music that, you know, tracks that I've heard that I, I, I liked. And um, I had this and I was looking at the day. It was like 2015. I think I took the screenshot and I was like, oh, I, OK, I'll, I'll resuscitate <laughs> this and, and put it in the show. Uh I like this track. I like the the game. the whole, The whole soundtrack is really cool. Yeah, I, there's, I, about, there's about twenty tracks. I think uh, there's like twelve tracks and a bunch of jingles. So I know I've played a bit of a magical drop game, but I'm not familiar enough with the themes to know what it's doing with them. So I, I like the tune, but I can't really place it in terms of the rest of the games. But is the rest of the soundtrack like this? Yes and no. There's like a okay. few other tracks. That, here's, here's BGM one. Or here's BGM four. It's a kind of a classic brimble. I was going to say, that's a pretty Brimble C64 yeah, style yeah, tune. Yeah, C64 style, like with some, you know, Japanese themes, and the, themes on top of it. I don't know. But yeah, that's uh, pretty cool. the whole soundtrack's kind of kind of silly like that. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, should we move on to the next one? Yeah. Yep, uh, all right. I was going to save this for a bigger show, but screw it. I love this tune. This is Cross of Fear from Castlevania Rondo of Blood. That was Cross of Fear from Castlevania Rondo of Blood. 
for PC Engine CD and later re-released for PSP. The original was in the trusty 1993. We've had a lot of those today. Yeah, it's the year <laughs> 1993. Uh, you know, I swear, if this had been released in English at the time and, and not in the Super Nintendo version... It would have sold some TurboGrafx-16s. And every VGM cover band would be doing a version of this. Uh, oh, yeah. In addition time. to the, all the other Castlevania classics. This one is a criminally underrated track in the Castlevania series. I mean, among VGM people, it's uh, the soundtrack is pretty, pretty played out. I think true, but this track I never hear. I never hear yeah, cross the Okay, okay, <laughs> fair enough. I, I think that um, Rondo Blood was um, unfortunately just. I mean, I, maybe we just weren't ready for it here. I don't, <laughs> don't know. But it seems like <laughs> everything about it was screaming like that it it should have had a Western release, and uh, it just. It missed opportunity. We weren't ready for it. Our faces would have melted off yeah. from the uh, <laughs> indulgence of the CD. I era. know, I know, because <laughs> it's a direct. It's a it's a direct um, prequel, or it's. I'm sorry, Symphony of the Night is a direct sequel to this. It is correct. So, um, I think that it would have been a great stepping stone for people jumping from, you know, that into Symphony of the Night. Yeah, if they'd re-released it for something else, I think it would have done gangbusters, but. That's how it goes. I actually ended up picking it up on PSP. It was like $8, and it comes with the original, a remade version of it, and and uh, it comes with Symphony of the Night, actually. Do they call it Rondo of Blood? Uh, Drac- Dracula X Chronicles. Right, right, right. right. That's called. how I, I played it. So I did play it for the PSP, but I didn't remember it called Rondo of Blood. So. Yeah, no, the original, is, of course. Right. But it's it was a great little package for the PSP. If you picked it up, it's the best, like, 8 bucks you're going to spend if you like Castlevania. yeah. It's good. I think because they released it for download. I think it was part of a. Um, it was might have been part of PlayStation Plus at one point. Like I think it, it might have been. Yeah. Yeah. It was it, s- small download. Actually, PSP. Uh, yeah, it wasn't Vita. It was PSP. That's right. You can get it, it on the Vita too. Well, yeah. I think right, so. Right, yeah. Right. So because I think I think I could re-download it on the Vita. But anyways, um, jumping off. It looked great on the PSP. So I want to talk about the composer because I actually didn't know who this was. So this is Keizo Nakamura. He's a music composer, sound designer, and game programmer. And he composed mostly just this, actually. He worked on a few games. Uh, he worked on Tokimeki Memorial and the x86K port of Akumajo Dracula, or, you know... Akumajo? Akumajo Dracula, however you say that. So, like, the regular Castlevania game. I think, like, Castlevania 1, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was the sound designer for Snatcher, Castlevania Chronicles, and the sound programmer for Moon Remix RPG Adventure, which has a really cool soundtrack, actually. I'd never heard of that one. I was just starting to dig into that after I read that. So I should check that one out a little bit more. It's kind of like this deconstructed JRPG trope-filled RPG, but the soundtrack is uh, very like mid-90s PlayStation. Pretty cool stuff, actually. And what is this again? It's called Moon Remix RPG Adventure. Huh. I had never heard of that one either. It's such a generic name. I never would have stumbled across it. Never heard of it, no. But I want to say all of the tracks that I associate with this game are by this guy. Cross of Fear, Cemetery Slash, Ghost Ship Painting, Opus 13, The Nest, and, well, I guess the ending one, not not as much. But those tunes, whenever I think of this game, it's all Keizo Nakamura. And yet he doesn't oh. get really any recognition. I, I, I th- I'd have to listen through it again because I, I can't remember track titles. Yeah, I yeah. The tracks. They're you know like I mean? a lot of. Well, the ghost ship one you'll probably remember. Do 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 do. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's got that like. Of course. Yeah, that that goofy jingle in the beginning. It's it's such a good tune. <laughs> <laughs> I like that rendition. That <laughs> yeah, you can play a little bit of it to make me sound less bad or worse. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's it. All right. <laughs> Anyways, that's it. Whatever. Uh, well, man, the, we're jumping from one popular franchise to the next. What you got? So I didn't want to play these back to back, but I guess it doesn't really matter um, <laughs> because you put that track in between. This is from Mario Tennis. This is my last track of the uh, of the episode. Interesting, Mario Tennis. Mario Tennis, but on the Game Boy Color. Huh. So it's a Game Boy Color version. I, I'm playing two Game Boy Color tracks. Today. Strange. Um, this is Game Point. It's the track name, and it's a little darker than I. I think I posted this in Discord like a year ago. Uh, pretty sure I did actually but this is from Matoi Sakuraba oh
right, that was Game Point from Mario Tennis on the Game Boy Color, released in 2000 uh, in Japan, 2001 in North America and Europe, composed by Matoi Sakuraba. This was developed by Camelot and published by Nintendo. And this game is usually really bright and cheerful, like a lot of the Nintendo Mario Sports games. This track is super dark. Yeah, that's like a tennis man. He's a repurposed pitching robot who's yeah. trying to take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's really dark, man. And I think that's what stood out to me in this one. So again, this is something I was listening. I was listening to in the car, and um, it was, it was kind of. I was like, man, what? This is. It's really catchy. It sounds like a boss battle or something like that. Game point. I mean, yeah, there's probably some tension, you know, uh, it kind of makes sense a little bit. Sure, yeah. But I looked over and it was Mario Tennis for the Game Boy. I was like, what? No. <laughs> no. And then, uh, sure enough, you know, like, Sakuraba son just totally killed this game point track. Oh, his glasses fell back onto his face and said, let's get serious and started <laughs> writing this tune. <laughs> Actually, I'm sure that didn't happen, but that's what it feels like. <laughs> Have you ever played a, a sports game or, or or any kind of game where it's like you and the enemy in one last little bit of life or, or whatever? You get really into it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what game, like sports game that used to always do that to me was Sega Soccer Slam. I think it was for the um, GameCube is how I played it. But I think it came out on all platforms. But yeah, that was a that was a, a, a big one. I don't remember that one if I really, I don't think I ever played that one. Oh, yeah. It was, oh, it was good. It's really good, really good. <laughs> Anyways, um, but yeah, I would get so intense that like my hands would be sweating. But, um, Mario Tennis, like the games were always so, like, um, I don't, I don't know. They, I, I was never a huge. So I like Mario Golf because Camelot. They, what they make usually is pretty killer um, as far as golf games go. Mm-hmm. Tennis, not so much. Like it's just. I've tried the tennis games. I can't really quite get into it as much as the golf games. No, no. Like Mar- Mario Tennis, it was just released on Switch not too long ago. Like, what, like last year or something like mm-hmm. that. And uh, I played the demo and I was just, like, not feeling it. I was just, it's not a bad game. It's just too, there's not enough there. There's not enough depth to, to yeah. tennis. You know, tennis is a very fun sport to play, but it's just not that the only tennis game that really really mattered to me was um probably virtual tennis that game was sure i was really into because it felt it had that realistic aspect oh and then when we did um we did um whatchamacallit the sports yeah the sports episode and we played that tennis game from um the uh the um uh, Atari, uh god oh jimmy connors jimmy connors yes 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 uh so that was good those were some great tunes, actually. I really want to revisit the links at some point. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. there's some undiscovered gems in there, or soon to be rediscovered, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's all I got. What do you got next? Final track. Yeah, so I'm going to play the track a little bit and talk about it, because this game actually means quite a bit to me. Uh, this is The Stars Come Out from Digital A Love Story. I thought you were going to play something from Metal Gear. <laughs> no, no, I've, I've already exhausted that on a different show <laughs> with Ed. Listen to that show, by the way. It's, <laughs> really, the good. it's really good. I, I listened to that when I was headed to my visit my buddy in Central Coast area, and uh, it was a it was a good episode. I'm glad it was long because I had like a three four hour drive. So yeah, this is do it almost listen to it twice. This is a bit different. This is winding the energy down, uh, taking us out of the show. Cool. Let's take a listen.
that was so mellow. <laughs> that one just puts me in a very sort of Sleepy. wistful mindset. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just sort of like very reflective. And I think that's intentional, actually, like for, for a lot of reasons. So that was the, the Stars Come Out from Digital A Love Story, composed by Brother Android or Harrison Lemke. Uh, he goes by Brother Android for his chippy stuff and Harrison Lemke for his more folk acoustic uh, live instrumentation. Huh. Um, so I don't know if anybody here has played this. Digital, a love story came out uh, about 10 years ago now in February 2010. It's an independent game. It's one of these modern visual novels, but in, instead of just being text, here's a text box. Somebody's chatting with you. It takes place in this fake bulletin board system. So you're on your uh, this Amiga. Familiar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This sounds really familiar. It was one of the biggest indie games of 2010. It got all sorts of awards, and it really it turned me into uh, a fan, a big fan of Christine Love, who is the developer and writer of this game. She wrote it in RenP, I think, which is one of the easier to, to kind of get acclimated tools for writing visual novels. It's, a, it's an engine that's really popular for those, or at least it was. And so... The story takes place in a uh, five minutes into the future of 1988. <laughs> so it's supposed to be intentionally old school. And it tells the story of the protagonist's online relationship with a girl and their attempts to solve a mystery surrounding the deaths of several AIs. Huh. Yeah. So you're logging into all these BBSs and you're reading posts, you're reading messages, and it's typical internet stuff. You have people posturing, you have people posting links to their favorite Oh, that's Whatever. cool. It's, it's, it's supposed to be, like, in in context. Like, it's supposed to feel like you are browsing. And this track plays on a few of the more popular BBSs, the ones that you spend most of your time in. So it, it kind of, I think it really captures the feeling of, if you were on the internet in the late 80s or early 90s, it was a very lonely place. You were, like... Th- true. You were in the dark in your room at, like... 11 o'clock to 2 in the morning, and you were talking to people on IRC or exactly, on BBSs. That's exactly how it was. Oh, God. It was, it, like, I, I felt like I was brought back, and I was not around for the BBS era, but I felt like it really put me in that mindset. Wow. And so all of the tracks were composed either by uh, Brother Android or Format. Yes, I saw that Format was on, on there, too. And, and so I don't know if they were composed for this Matthew game. Matthew Simmons for... Matthew the, Simmons, yeah. yeah. And that's for M-A-T. Yes. <laughs> it's a, uh, I, I just really jived with this game. It really showed me what you can do with visual novels to really draw you in. Christine Love, is uh, has, she's gone on to make a number of other games like uh, Don't Take It Personally, Babe, It Just Ain't Your Story, Analog, A Hate Story, and Lady Killer in a Bind. It's probably not the kind of stuff most of our usual audience will play, but they're mostly inclusive visual novels about relationships and things like that. Hmm. And not in the... I'm a guy, here's a harem of women sort of thing. So yeah. <laughs> thankfully, they're actually really well written. I haven't played much of the other ones, but digital really caught me and I've bought all of the other games. I intend to play them at some point. Right. Yeah. The backlog continues <sighs> to, I know. To, to get bigger. The The older we get, the bigger the backlog. I think that's kind of just how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at this RenP thing. Um, looks like it's a visual novel engine based on Python. Yeah. So it's cool. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be pretty easy it's 15 for people. Years. Wow, 15 yeah. years old at this point. If you can imagine that. Um, it's not like the easiest tool ever, but it's kind of like a scripting-based language where you say, if person X does Y, then start dialogue tree. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's supposed to be programmatic yeah. without getting super into the weeds, like a C++ well, style. It looks like they're keeping up with it because 2019 was the last release. Oh, okay, yeah. The last stable release. So and it's 15. It. it came out in 2004. That's pretty rad. Electric Boogaloo just recently posted this, and it's very sad, but Randy Seuss, the creator of the earliest BBS software, just passed away yes. very recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so listening to this, it before I even listened to this, I knew I have to put this one into, this, into the show because it really, it has that wistful energy of just like nostalgia, thinking back, being very solemn and, and sort of thinking back I on think, those times. I think what does it too for this track is the uh, the noise machine vibe that I get. It's it's the um, it's the white noise but and it kind of has like this um, this kind of late night seashore kind of sound mm-hmm. but uh, it, it's also very like a, has an abrupt stop so it does feel programmatic at the same time. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, and, and there's and some I think like, that's what you're talking about. There's some like whirring in the synth, so it sounds a little bit like it's broken or like warbling a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. It just puts me in a very specific place. And you know, we generally play happier tunes on this show, or even the sad tunes are very like I don't know, melodramatic, but I feel like this is a different kind of energy and I like to explore it every now and again. Yeah, I think it's good. I think uh sometimes like cult shows the, and well the hard thing is you know like to play this kind of music is you really have to have a show that's kind of uh, primarily that kind of music right because if you stray too far off it's a little too jarring yeah right? these these expansion packs are meant to be kind of jarring they're supposed to just take you from one genre to the next and that's kind of what we do yeah and the kind of games that have this style of music tend to be mostly this kind of thing which don't make as engaging of full shows right yeah right, right well and they're meant to invoke that kind of i think feeling because that's the kind of game they are they're meant to evoke that on, on multiple levels yeah right so anyways cool man we got a lot of cool stuff today a lot of, yeah. cool, a lot of cool stuff that this should be a short episode i think we rambled on a few spots but uh <laughs> we'll cut some of that down yeah. in editing maybe yeah. cut some out or not <laughs> just leave it in anyways um yeah we played a lot of great music today and 2020 we're here yeah a lot i wonder what's in store for this year we're gonna we're gonna change things up a little bit so we we say that kind of like you know every year we're gonna make some new changes and we did this year i I think 2019 we did we we didn't get to keep some of our our goals with making a lot more content um it pretty much just stayed on par but we are going to uh, we're planning on taking the the website on a few different platforms for making it easier for us to do um, recordings and shorter shows and stuff like that. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, that's kind of our, our new year's resolution to get more content out, even if it's like shorter episodes um, to just make more of a regular thing. I think let's take a look back at some of the shows we've done this year, just to remind ourselves how much crazy stuff has happened to us. So, this is probably not something most of you know, but the Christmas episode that we did last year is actually what got listened to and got us invited to the Library of Congress. Of all the shows, <laughs> I know. they sent us an They're invite like, oh, yeah, shortly after that. Yeah. Yeah. We talked with the composers of Gris. Oh, right. Or Greece. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always call it Gris. Uh, we did Japan Pro Golf Tour, Gabriel Knight, our Library of Congress shows, Quartet, Eve Burst Error, River City Girls recently with Megan McDuffie, MagWest with Chibi Tech, and just most recently, Panzer Dragoon Saga with Saori Kobayashi. What wow. a stellar lineup of shows we've done. We had done. a pretty good year. Pretty good year. I thought it was a... It, it was a blast. I, I know. I was looking, I was like, yeah, it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of a kickback year. We didn't really have that, didn't really have that. But now that you're saying it, I'm like, oh God, we did a lot. Yeah. And I was leaving out a lot of these shows that were like, oh, here's just like an expansion pack, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> we don't count those. We don't count this one. In fact, you probably don't even need to listen to this one. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, it's been a good year. So, uh, 2020 is going to be even better. I think, uh, I really think so because, um, we're trying to look at ways for Gene and I to make it. So like right now, like, you know, as you know, we, we get older and life gets busier with, you know, work things and stuff. It, it becomes like an excuse to like, we, well, we can't get together because we, you know, limited time and stuff yeah. like that we don't live that far apart, but it's just, it's, it's hard to like organize the time. So we're looking into some different options to make recording a little bit easier between episodes, get some more stuff out. And we're hoping that it, you know, plays to our advantage. So, you know, this year we, we are looking into a lot of new ways to, uh, for us to, to keep the show fresh and introduce a lot of new content this year. So, yeah, we've always got more ideas than we have time to record them in. Like oh the, my God. The I suggestions know. are piling up. We know we want to do those shows. It's yeah. just, we, we had a long break, a couple of long breaks this year. That we just, need to, yeah. we, we need to get, uh, we need to recruit a few more people to, to, to do little one-offs here and there. I think yeah. Good. I'm yeah. all for it. Yeah. So if you guys, uh, have some ideas for a show and you want to be part of the, uh, uh, of the uh, pixelated audio world, then <laughs> come chat with us on Discord. Anyways, if you like the show, you can find more about us online at pixelatedaudio.com. Of course, join the Discord. You can find us at Twitter at pixelatedaudio. If you want to leave us a review on iTunes, that's always appreciated. And you can check out our Patreon if you want to help support the show in a financial way. But, you know, if not, whatever our content's free and we will keep making it anyways yeah enjoy whatever episodes you like we've got so many now i'm 
it's crazy now. We, we went from over 100 to now we're at 123. Yep. Uh, yep. The numbers just keep ticking up. Yep. Crazy how we that just works. Keep getting older. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you back, hopefully, in just another week or so for our next episode. I, was yeah, I don't know. I, you 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 ended it so nicely. Yeah.